Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. And it's another week where the Philadelphia Eagles fail miserably on the football field. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Connor, before before you uh, say anything, I just wanted to uh, listen to the episode last week. Thanks for taking over. Uh, you guys did a great job. Um, so if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode with Connor and Real Prince, please do, uh, wherever you listen, whether it is on Anchor or Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere. Uh, listen to, to last week's episode uh, before the Browns game. Uh, you guys did a good job of breaking things down, talking about the issues between or, or the issues that we're hearing that could be between Carson and Doug and, and everything. So uh, how you doing, Connor? I'm doing great. And, and I mean, great to have you back, man. I wish we could have had you on last week. We had some really good conversations about Peterson and Wentz and the media attention and the fake media that we see throughout Philadelphia the the clickbait as we call them because as we know philadelphia media is full of clickbaiters looking just to get that click versus actually dropping good quality media um so i mean remember we're thinking about where you get your media in the future but yeah it's always it's always good to have you back man because that that would have been fun to have you involved last week too because i know you would have had some opinions to drop last week too but we're back we're talking about another loss and as of currently this very moment, we are now second place in the NFC East. We are, as the Washington football team. Thankfully, I mean, we were talking before we, we started recording. We, if we're going to lose this division, rather it be to Washington than the Giants or the, the, cow, the cow Surge, or my Cowboys. But, um, yeah, uh, before we get started, everybody, please uh, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You follow Connor at Connor10 or follow me at LJHarrell54. And wherever you're listening to the podcast, please rate and review our show. Um, you can DM us and let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about or any changes that you think we can make to to enhance the podcast because that's what we're looking to do, trying to make this a great product for everybody to listen to. Eagles-Browns. Uh, the, defense, the defense played well. Um, the Eagles offense gave up nine points. You don't give up those nine points, you win the game 17-13. But the Eagles offense, again, week after week after week after week, are shooting themselves in the foot. Um, Carson had that pick six to probably the name of all names, Taki Taki. Um, I don't even know what his first name is. I don't remember. Sion Taki Taki. There you go. Um, And now he's on, I think he's on, he's either on IR or on the COVID list. So I couldn't be on that last week. Um, also, speaking of that, it didn't matter that Miles Garrett didn't play because Jason Peters got abused at the left tackle. He's moving mm-hmm. now to right guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Maialata is going to play left tackle. Jalene Johnson has a collapsed ankle, so we have a new right tackle. Um, Jason Kelsey had to come out for a couple of uh, plays at the end of the first half last week. So, you know, all this talk about Dallas is losing their entire like, – who cares? The Eagles have gone through – Injury after injury after injury, year after year after year, since the Super Bowl year, even including the Super Bowl year. And this may be the first year that we're finally sitting here and, and using that as an excuse. We made, we've made the playoffs three straight years, won the Super Bowl with backups at key positions in 2017. And now we're finally – it's starting to hit that, like, these, we, we just don't have the depth right now to back up the players that are being hurt, right? That are being hurt. And there are key positions. Both of your tackles are out. Uh, you're, you're running, you're, you're starting running back was out for a couple weeks. Your, your top tight end is out. Deshaun Jackson is out. That's just on the offensive side of the ball. So hopefully, you know, look, I don't know. This is where we wish the division was better. And what I mean by better is the team that's going to win the division, they were running away with it because then there would be that, that quote unquote excuse to, not play Jason Peters, and maybe we would have seen Jordan Maialata the last three weeks. Um, maybe to even see a Jalen Hurts out there instead of for a play here and a play there, maybe for a full quarter, a full drive, maybe for a full game, which possibly could happen depending on what happens Monday night against Seattle. Um, we need to start seeing young players. We need to start seeing what we have before we know going into the offseason when we're cut half the team because we're $60 million over and bring in – new guys and go into the draft with a top 10 possible pick. What, what do we need? And that's what I wish was happening, but this division is playing out again as the worst division of all time. And we're right in the thick of things, a half game out of first place. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, when you talk about that draft pick and how important that draft pick's going to be in the pieces, I mean, I can't wait to get into it because I already see a ton of mock drafts with us getting linebackers. And it's like, have you not watched Philadelphia Eagles drafts over the last, like, five years? Like, we drafted, what, Jordan Hicks? And that was about it. And then we we even let him go, which was probably one of the worst decisions in recent memory now. Well, he probably needed that change of scenery because he kept getting hurt here, but everybody gets hurt here. Well, apparently everyone needs a change of scenery because everybody leaves and gets better, except Ronald Darby, who got (laughs) roasted on Thursday as as always. Um, But yeah, as far as like that game went, like there's a clear concern at the CB2 position in my eyes. Kaderil Hodge, yes, that's the name. Uh, he he was burning Avante Maddox all night. Like Jarvis Andrew was almost a null factor in the game. It was Kaderil Hodge and Rashard Higgins who were the main receiving weapons. Um, and it goes without saying the concern at the CB2 position. We got the CB1 on lock and we thought that, you know, if there's a whole side of the field shut down by Darius Slay, that we'd be okay. I don't think that's true, and I think when we get into this week's game, it's even more concerning mm-hmm. to think about Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and all we have is Darius Slay. Mm-hmm. And he's one man. He can't watch them both. Um, but that was a big thing for me, and what stood out to me was the Jason Peters. Jason Peters gave up all sacks, I think. Olivier three of five. is old and not good, and he had three sacks. Exactly, and he was just getting feasted on in the fact that now the decision's being made. This decision had to be made long ago. This decision had to be made week one when we had Jason Peters coming in. We know Jason Peters is a shell of what he used to be, and we knew that when he was coming in, he was supposed to be a guard. He was supposed to fill in at one of those guard spots. One thing I want to say, I I disagree with the week one thing. After Dilla got hurt, a lot of people, myself included, were wanting – I wanted him to move to left tackle. Mainly because we didn't know what we had in Jordan Maialata. And obviously, preseason would have been a huge... Again, this year would have been big preseason for Maialata, for Hertz, for a lot of the guys, for Quez Watkins. Like, for a lot of the guys that we had, it would have been nice to see you know, um, um, a preseason with for the, those guys. But at the beginning of the year, after Dillard got hurt, I wanted to, to see Peters move to left tackle. But once we saw that he just doesn't have that quick step anymore, he false starts like usual... And then when and then after he got hurt and we saw the way Mylotta played, that's when I was like, look, stay, stick with Mylotta. We you you have to find out what you have with this guy. He he's still raw, but while he you know he he doesn't have the perfect technique. Once he gets his hands on you, you ain't going anywhere. And Mm-mm. and and that's kind of what 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 we saw. And when they and when Peters got back off of off of IR and Doug's like, yeah, he's the starter. That's where that's what bothered me. But week one, I have no issue with Peters starting. It's after the fact. After everything that happened, injuries, my lot of playing well, that's when I was pissed off and, and mad that why would you give in to Jason Peters and, and let him go back to left tackle? I think I was skeptical week one because we started to see that happening last year. This wasn't new news that he was not what he he's a shell of what he was, that he's slower coming off, that he gets beat more, that he's taking the penalties. We saw that all at the end of last year and the fact that people thought because we brought him back that it was going to change this year. It's not even. You you know that that's what we're going to walk into. And it was nice that we actually got to see Jordan Mailata for a change. It was nice, but like we knew that the guards were going to be concerned in spots, and that's what we brought him back for, and it still upsets me because I think we could have seen Mailata sooner. We could have done some of this sooner. Some of these changes could have been made sooner that might have impacted the team earlier on. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this offensive line is a humongous question mark and a humongous concern because when you look at it down the down like for the future, you will have Brandon Brooks back next year. We may have Lane Johnson back for the start of next year. Hopefully should. But, I mean, he did a ton of damage to that ankle. And I've been calling for, oh, since he first got the injury that was not even related to the ankle, I said, Lane Johnson's not right. Lane Johnson's not good. And everyone was on Eagles Twitter going on, oh, well, 50% Lane Johnson's better than anything else. Well, we may not have a Lane Johnson. We may not have a Lane Johnson at all. We don't have a Lane Johnson at all. And he said he doesn't know until they won't know until June or July the significance of this damage on his career. So was it worth it? I don't think so. 
I've been calling for Lane Johnson to not play for a while because you can't have ankle surgery ankle surgery in August and complain in September and say, yeah, I think I'm good. You knew there was concerns because he didn't he didn't play week one. Every week after that, there was always issues throughout the week where he was limited in practice. He didn't practice all these situations. It this should have been this decision, this call should have been made long before this. And this is just another complete miss by our medical staff who continues to, well, I'm not going to blame them, but this is something that's on them to say, Lane, your ankle is like folding as we speak. We can't see it, but we know it's folding within. And if you keep going, this could be something that could I think, threaten. I, I think the one issue when it comes to, to certain players, when it comes to their injuries and playing and not playing is the loyalty factor. Because And, it, and it's the same with the head coach and even the general manager. They should have never brought Jason Peters back. They should have never guaranteed Alshon Jeffrey's contract. And the one thing that Doug keeps to harking back on is when, when, when he got questioned this week about Alshon, he's like, yeah, well, he's done some big things for us. That's in the past. He cannot play. If that – I – if you remember the interception that Carson threw when he was when he was throwing the ball to, to Alshon and I think it was Denzel Ward, what the heck type of effort was that from Alshon? Alshon gave zero effort. He mistimed his jump. Didn't, didn't even attempt to go after the football. It was pathetic. You pull him off the field right there, and he does not sniff the field the rest of the year because he is not back next year. He He's taking play, playing time away from a John Hightower. Um, you know, Travis Fulgham hasn't been the same in the last four, four or five games. We need to see what we have in these young guys now. We're at that point where you're not playing well. You're not you're, – you're, 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 you went from and, – and for somehow, some way – before Thursday's games, uh, the, the, before the Washington-Dallas game, you were still the favorite to win the NFCs, which I'll never understand because you have the hardest hardest schedule. But, mm-hmm. like, stop force-feeding Alshon out on the field. Just because he worked his tail off to try to get back, he is not. He is a glorified tight end at this point in time. He has no speed. He's And, and you could tell on that one play in which Carson threw the interception, he's not even trying. Get him off the field. I want to see what we have in John Hightower. I want to see what we have in Quez Watkins and when he can get healthy. I want to see what we have in these other young guys because, again, you know, Jeffrey won't be here. Deshaun may, be, may or may not be here. You're going to have to make a bunch of cuts because of the salary cap, and you're going to have to trust these young guys. And if Carson's going to be your quarterback, let this the rest of this season be a you know glorified camp preseason type of games where you you know get continuity with these young guys yeah like you said Fulgham I even see Greg Ward I mean he's in the slot but I mean use him abuse him that that's a guy who's putting in effort he's putting in work um and uh we talk Richard Rogers even if we're going to put out a glorified tight end like Alshon Jeffrey you might as well just add a second tight end on the field with Richard Rogers because he's playing extremely well the last Mm -hmm. few weeks um and like even Jalen Reger, like Jalen Reger should be doing better than he is doing. He's not seeing the opportunities I think that he should be seeing. And I mean, I guess that's a bit more on Carson Wentz versus Alshon Jeffrey being on the field. But like even I'd rather see like Deontay Burnett, who did some things last year. I'd rather see the guys who want to fight for a spot on the roster and who are going to put that effort forward week in and week out at practice in games it doesn't matter. They're going to put that effort forward, and and that could be something that goes a dis a long way in um, saving us money next year, like you said, because you got Jalen Reger on a rookie contract. Travis Fulgham's going to need a new contract, but I can guarantee that the Eagles will be able to spin it so that they can kick some money down the road. They don't always they don't have to put it all into next year because Fulgham's a guy who didn't even have a job. He barely had an opportunity before he came to Philadelphia. So he will probably accommodate Philadelphia's salary cap situation over the next two years. And then you got, like I said, you got the Richard Rogers, you got the Greg Ward, you got you got Hightower, you got Watkins, you got guys on rookie contracts who aren't even costing you a million dollars. And those are the people you need, to, you need to take care of. You need to see what you have in it. You need to get Carson Wentz working with them and gelling with them. And like you said, I would be perfectly fine with Alshon Jeffrey being a healthy scratch going forward. Perfectly fine with it. I would be fine with Deshaun right Jackson. Sit right next to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, and I would be fine with Deshaun Jackson not even coming back this year. Even if he could come back, I'd be fine with him not coming back at all because it's a waste. And the thing was, in the yep, there was articles that came out saying there is a almost 0% chance either of them return. So why waste your time on them? Why? 
Yeah, man, I get it. And and, and again, we have to start making these decisions, um, you know, because we need to know what we have depth-wise. Um, you're going to be cutting a lot of big names or restructuring some contracts or whatever it may be, trading some guys. Um, you know, look at our expensive defensive line. Brandon Graham is the only person that has produced this year. Um, Fletcher Cox has, hasn't been the Fletcher Cox we've seen. Javon Hargrave, Hargrave I, I don't get it. He was really good in that 3-4 system in, in Pittsburgh, and you would think coming to a 4-3 scheme where you're not being double-teamed consistently that he would be able to dominate, and he's done nothing. Uh, Malik Jackson, he's been up and down. Uh, Derek Barnett, I, w- I wouldn't be mad if he didn't come back next year and let Josh Sweat get some PT. Um, Joe, Os- uh, <laughs> Joe Osman got stiff-armed the hell last week by, by Kareem Hunt. Or not Kareem Hunt, excuse me, Bradley Chubb. Uh, we already know our linebacker situation. Um, Alex Singleton actually getting more playing time is looking like a p- potential line, like legit NFL linebacker. Um, Singleton and, and Edwards. I mean, yeah, you, and Edwards. Ed, Nate Geary should come back and be in the role that they were forced into before. Nate should not like Nate Geary should field. be less than 50%. You know he's going to be on the football field. We have to be should realistic be. about this. He should be the one who's getting the Singleton and Edwards time that they were getting earlier in the season, like less than 50% snap share week in and week out. And I want to go back to your point about Avante Maddox. He is not an outside cornerback. I don't know why Jim Schwartz continues to think he can cover a receiver on the outside. He cannot. He may have the speed. He might be suited as a safety. If you remember his rookie year, they had him playing safety and he was pretty good. We saw it last year again. Now again, it was against the De- Devonte Adams, and we didn't have Darius Slay. But Adams abused him, and the Eagles would have lost that game if Adams didn't get hurt. Um, but he cannot cover an outside receiver. So we know you mentioned Darius Slay. We got him. You know, yes, he's getting older, but I still think he has a couple years where he can be a legit top five, top ten corner. But realistically. But realistically, like at what point does Howie actually scout a cornerback? who is a cornerback because it seems like every year we have a discussion. We had the discussion about Jalen Mills should be moved to safety. Rasul Douglas should be moved to safety. Actually, Rasul Douglas works a lot better when he's used the way he should be used. Like he is now. Well, the same um, with Cindy Jones, he's being used it, correctly in Jacksonville and he's their number one corner. Even exactly. Though they have and then Hen- there's, um, even though they have CJ Henderson, like who they drafted out of Florida this year, like, but th- that tandem, he is being used. The way he's supposed to be used. Does he get burned every once in a while? Sure. Because, the, I mean, but he that's doesn't part have... of being aggressive. That's part exactly. of playing up and being aggressive. You're going to get burned once in a while, maybe once a game, but it's better than watching the same guys get burned two and three times a game, even when they play like 10, eight to 10 yards off. The fact that you still can't make a play on that is is pretty sad but you need that first five yards you need that that's what allows the defensive line to create pressure if you have that first five seconds and or that first five yards and that buys you two or three yards because your hand fighting and you're making sure that they can't get ahead of you too quickly that's what you need and this defense just doesn't do it because it's not in Jim Schwartz's system to do it and it's ridiculously frustrating to think about because if you watch it in any other system it's why a lot of our Eagles receivers aren't doing that well because the first five yards they're getting getting abused by the cornerbacks they're getting pushed they're getting shoved they're hand fighting and then Carson Wentz is already three seconds in the pocket and it's collapsing and finally they break free and he's throwing the ball away or trying to scramble out like that is how like how do you watch that week in and week out if you're Jim Schwartz and not say maybe I should let my guys play up a little bit like you know Gary Slay needs to play stubborn I know he's stuck in his system, and his system works in ways, but it doesn't work in ways. Like, I respect the way that he brings pressure. I do. I respect that. When he knows to bring pressure, he brings pressure, and it works. When he knows not to, and people criticize it, he knows why he's not bringing that pressure. And I get it. I understand that. But that's about the only part of the concept and scheme that I can actually understand and comprehend. But yeah, Vontae Maddox is concerning, but we need to draft a cornerback who's a man-to-man genius, a man-to-man stud, and that's something they've really got to look at in the first round this year. There's two or three of them that are going to be really good man-to-man, lockdown cornerbacks. I don't know if we'll be high enough for that, but we'll see. There's Patrick Sertain, and then there's Caleb Farley, who took the year off, but but he was a man-to-man shutdown guy. Let's be real. You know where the Eagles are going first round. Quarterback. Offensive line. (laughs) Offensive you, or defensive line is where they're going. They're not going to take, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not going to take a skill position player. They're not going to take 
a, a corner. They're not going to take a linebacker, definitely. It's going to be offensive line. It's going to be defensive line because they're, because they're stuck in their ways. Howie Roseman. Now, if the report is true that if the Eagles don't win this division and somebody's getting fired, it's got to be is, Howie. It's got to be Howie. No, it's probably going to be Doug because – It can't be Doug, though. I mean, you just... want to know why it's going to be Doug? Because Jeffrey Lurie loves Howie Roseman. There's a reason why when, when Chip wanted out that he um, – he didn't fire him completely. He just sent him to the other side of the building. He's not going to get rid of Howie Roseman. It's not going to happen. But it seriously makes no sense because we literally just talked about, and I don't know how it hasn't become so blatantly obvious to Eagles ownership that Doug Peterson is a culture builder. Doug Peterson is a buy, a team buy-in guy. He buy, gets everyone to buy in. He could get all the team and all the coaches to buy into this system and do so flawlessly with this system, but he cannot call plays. He is not an offensive I, coordinator. So Let's just face it. I agree with you, but Rank, the, the, the chances of being fired or traded or cut, whatever. Howie Roseman, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, rank them. Who First, who was the most likely the least likely to be gone if the Eagles don't make the playoffs. Carson Wentz absolutely is the least likely because they're just entering into this brand yeah. new contract next year. So they, have they can, to see they what can they trade have. it. They can trade them and they could they, trade them. Yes. If they cut them, it's a $60 million cap, hit, uh, dead cap. If they trade them, it's only like 35 or something. That's why you roll it out though, because I, I think at the end of the second year, there's a way more friendly way to get out of that mm-hmm. contract. So you just, Bite the bullet on him. So then, then I would probably say Howie number two, and then Doug probably has the highest chance. But from the perspective of an Eagles fan and seeing everything going on, if you Jeffrey Lloyd are not seeing what we are all seeing, and it's Howie's complete inability to do anything or un- unwillingness to do anything, and wanted to keep the old people back keeps bringing the old people back keeps bringing these guys who are past their prime past their heyday the only one worth bringing back that he brought back that makes sense that is making him look good is brandon graham everybody else you could have done without so i i agree with the ranking that it's it's um doug howie carson um but you can't you also can't look at it from a fan's perspective you have to look at it as the owner of the team and like it, it, Jeff Jeffrey Lurie doesn't speak, which is which I, I'm glad I, I'm glad we don't have a Jerry Jones type. Now I would love to know what's going on in in mm-hmm. Jeffrey Lurie's mind, um, but we're gonna have to wait until after the after the season and if he decides to talk. But you know, again, I'm, I'll reiterate, he's not gonna get rid of Howie because him and Howie are like best friends, and he's gonna give Howie the opportunity to to go out and hire. I, I mean, and I'm also with you that Doug needs to hire an offensive coordinator. His offense was best when he had Frank, Frank Reich. Reich. Now, Frank Reich wasn't calling plays, but I think Frank Reich was able to hold him accountable because he had, the, you know, he was kind of on, on his level. He was, he was the same while Doug was the head coach. Frank Reich was, you, you know, should have been a head coach. And you look at the staff now, Deuce Staley probably should be head coach, but he's never had the opportunity to call plays. Frank did it with the Chargers. You know, it, it, I think it was the Chargers previously. Um, but if you look at the staff besides Jim Schwartz, who was a, a, a head coach, but Doug doesn't really interfere with the defensive side of the ball. Looking at the offensive staff, what do Marty Morningweg and Scangarella do? We don't know what they do. What input do they have on the on the game plan? Like, it, it stinks. When you look at the game, the first drive, the Eagles ran the ball like eight straight plays, which was unfathomable. I didn't, I didn't expect it. They ran it right down the Browns' throat. And as soon as Miles Sanders fumbled, fumbled i knew he wasn't going to touch the ball again for for a while he didn't get it until the second quarter granted i think the 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 browns next possession took the ball into the second quarter but still you know he abandons the run way too easily the eagles offense average averages more yards per run than they do yards per pass it's never it, it hasn't happened in like 50 years 60 years in the nfl run the football me and you kind of got into this texting argument maybe two weeks ago against the giants when you said when you were like they need to pass the ball to set up the run, and I said, no, they're running the ball. And then Boston Scott busted off that 50-yard touchdown run, and then like their best offense is the run right now. They are much better run-blocking offensive line than they are pass-blocking offensive line. And you're taking the which you hate to say this about your your supposed franchise quarterback who you're about to start paying 35 plus million dollars to, 
but you're taking the ball out of your, your turnover, turnover prone quarterback's hands by giving the ball to Miles Sanders, who's averaging like six, five and a half to six yards of carry. Boston Scott, who, you know, when he's not the focal point of the offense, can make plays here and there. But Doug doesn't see that, and it's mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, me and Prince talked about it last week, this this rumor that, that there's too many voices in uh, in Doug Peterson's ear, and could that just be for the sole fact that you got a passing game coordinator and a running game coordinator? Can't you just amalgamate that into this offensive coordinator? And then it's that one, that's why we, that's why I think Frank Reich was so good, and that's why I think Frank Reich, did the job right because he was able to read the plays. He was able to see things happen and he was able to look at the offense and everything and, and be like how, or be like Doug, we should do this. This is what it looks like. This is, and that made sense to have these two different coordinators makes no sense. Including press Taylor, who makes zero sense to even have any type of higher coaching status, because what has he even done besides be Carson Wentz's good friend? What has he done? So there are teams in the NFL that do have passing game coordinators and, and running game coordinators, but they also have an offensive coordinator above them who, who they probably game plan, like all three game plan together. And the offensive coordinator, you yeah, know, they is, limit the, they limit the, the, the voices in the ear because it all feeds through the offensive coordinator. Who's the one form of contact to Doug Peterson, which they don't have. And, and, Doug, and, and Doug gets questioned this every week. You know, are you going to give up game uh, play calling? And he says no. You have to realize something. Andy Reid. So Andy Reid's tenure here with the Eagles. He was the play caller first. You know, first hand, first half of his his coaching career here. And then you know, you realize you become stale. You become vanilla. You become predictable. And he allowed other coaches to start calling. You know, whether it be uh, uh, Doug Peterson when when he was with Kansas City. Before he became that coach, now Doug became, was calling plays in that playoff game in which the the Chiefs lost, and Andy kind of stuck up for him, and, and this, that, and the third. But you you have to realize, like, look, I I know this is you know it, after the first fifteen plays, the Eagles play at, after that first fifteen script, it, it's all predictable. You know, you're gonna throw throw on first down, you'll go under center on second down, hand it off on third down, you're gonna throw. It, it's so predictable. I know what the Eagles' offense is going to do. If I know it, a simpleton on the outside, what do you think defensive coordinators who get paid millions of bucks, who watch game, who watch game tape and game film for you know five, six days a week? What do you think they're going to realize? Doug needs mm-hmm. to figure this out. He is so predictable. Give it to somebody else. Let Deuce Staley call some plays. Let. Marty Morningway freaking call plays. Let Frank, let Scangarella call. Let somebody else do it because what you are doing is not working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's quite obvious that it's not working, and and it's so, like you said, it's so vanilla, it's so boring, it's so plain, it's so predictable. Especially if you're if you're a defensive corner, like you said, who gets paid a million dollars. I can predict it. I can see. The pass, run, pass. I can see it because then you end up with this negative game script and we're behind, so he feels he has to pass more when really, realistically, the run game can get back into it just as quickly as anything. Um, Because our run game, like you said, produces a lot more than our passing game. Like, look at last game. Carson Wentz was averaging 6.7 yards per throw, and uh, the run game was averaging 4.2, but, like, alone, like, Boston Scott was averaging 4.8. Miles Sanders was averaging 4.1. They were averaging just two yards shy of what Carson Wentz was creating in throws. And granted, I know the weather sucked, but his counterpart produced 9.7 yards per throw. So how is he producing 9.7? Exactly. How is he producing 9.7 yards per throw and you're producing 6 point whatever, 6.7, and you're in the rain. You're both in the rain. It doesn't make it. And he was, it's not like he was using Jarvis Landry or his key weapons. He was using Richard Higgins. He was using that Cardero guy. Like he was using guys who are not huge names and they couldn't get their run game going at all until obviously (sighs) lesson learned. You 
if you run the ball at our defensive line over and over and over again, like they had to do with Nick Chubb and they had to do with Kareem Hunt, you're going to break through eventually. And you can't be mad at the defense for that. It happens. If you get run at by Nick Chubb, who's 240 pounds, one of the most elusive runners, one of the best breakaway runners in the NFL right now, if he runs at you, I think it was 20 times a game, he's bound to break through on two or three plays. And that's all it takes. And that's all it took to end the game for us. Yeah, and it was and it was frustrating because <clears throat> you could see it coming. Um, and the, the Eagles, again, you have to give the Eagles defense credit because they were put in crappy situations throughout the whole game. They gave up 13 points. <clears throat> excuse me, because the Eagles had the pick six and the safety. Um, I'm tired of talking about this game though because it was frustrating to watch. And now we're going into another game which is going to be frustrating to watch. We get to get embarrassed on national television against the Seattle Seahawks, who <clears throat> I don't know if we're ever going to beat Seattle with it when they have Russell Wilson. He's just good, and they know how to coach, and they know how to draft. Um, they don't – they rarely even – like, I don't remember the last time they had a first-round pick. They just exactly. don't use picks. They, can they trade them. They picks. And, and, you, and, and there's all this talk that you have to build – in order to build a championship team, you have to draft them. You can't trade them. Well – you see Seattle traded for Jamal Adams. Now, this is just this year. Now, going into this game, if there's a defense that an offense can get healthy against, it's the Seattle Seahawks. But I, I feel like I also said that against the against Dallas a couple weeks back, and we didn't really do much against Dallas. And so, if, you, if you notice, um, they actually – the Seahawks were a really bad defense, but the last couple weeks are starting to come into their own, of course, just in time to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but they have, they are, they were really, really bad against quarterbacks and really, really, really bad against wide receivers. And they were giving up so much yardage, but that started to taper off now. And, and that's scary because, of course, now they come and play the Eagles, where we have probably the worst quarterback from a turnover, touchdown turnover ratio. Let's be and, real. I hate to admit it. We have the quarterback playing worse than the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, you look. I know you hate PFF, but I look at it all the time just for fun. I look at a bunch of different stats, man. Carson Wentz is at the bottom of everything. Completion percentage under pressure. Completion percentage with a clean pocket. Time in the pocket. All and and like bad interceptable throws, danger throws. He's at like the bottom fifth of the league in almost every statistical category. And it, it would give me reason for optimism if he was okay in some categories. If it was like, well, look at this category. Maybe, like, maybe things will get better here. Maybe things will get maybe, maybe no, he's bottom like well, here we go. bottom five in everything. It's not really a category, but something that Doug Peterson doesn't do, even though he's good at rolling him out, like getting him outside the pocket. In the Giants game, it took him to the third quarter and he did it once. Last week, it took him to the third quarter and he did it once. Carson Wentz is better outside the pocket. Why? <clears throat> and with your offensive line being banged up and struggling. Why you don't design more plays to do that? Isn't that why they brought Scangarella here? Because he 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 was really good at, at creating plays <coughs> off the play action and all that. Well, why doesn't Doug take advantage of that? Your quarterback is struggling. He turns the ball over a lot when he's standing in the pocket. Move him around. They did it once last week, and they had a big play. They did it once against the Giants, and they had a big play. I don't understand this play calling and, and the coaching that's being done with Carson, if you know he's good at one thing and you don't even do it until late in the game when it's probably too late. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I put the stat up on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter page the today, that or I think it was yesterday, that Carson Wentz's wide receivers or receivers have the most drop passes yet again. We have the most drop passes in the NFL, which definitely doesn't help Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz, if you look at some of those drops, they are absolutely on just as much him as it is on the receiver because he's trying to throw it into a short window, a small window, um, just a brief overthrow where the guy makes the effort, but but he can't get it. So it probably gets classified as a drop like he's not helping. He's not doing his receiving weapons any justice. And you got to figure I don't know if it's run pass up returning back to more run pass options or or more play action I don't know what it is that you need to get him more comfortable or to get him moving around the pocket but he's kind of becoming 
like you said, he's becoming this pocket passer, and that's not who Carson Wentz is, and that's not where he's going to find his success. Nope, and I, I hope one day that, that that Doug realizes that. And that could be the cause of him possibly getting fired. And then there was a report today that says Doug might not be unhappy with being fired, and that if he gets fired, that he, you know, he'll be able to go somewhere else and, and or he'll get a job right away, which there's a report out of Houston that if the Eagles were to fire um, Peterson, that the Texans would hire him right away. Um, it's possible. I mean, right, look, Doug, so. Doug, Doug's a good coach, but he also has his, his glaring downfalls, and we're seeing one play out. He is not – and I hate that we reiterate this time and time again. He's not a play caller. He – he lost that magic somehow, and he needs to find a way to get it back. And, and, and all this talk, if you remember, you know, they sat Nelson Aguilar just so he can clear his head. And there's this talk of possibly sitting Carson Wentz and, to see the game from the sidelines to let him clear his head. Maybe take the play calling away from Doug and let him sit back, clear his head, and see how he should be called. It works both ways. It doesn't just have to be a player thing. It can be a coach thing. Absolutely, I agree. And I think – I, I am a person who firmly believes that if we put Jalen Hurts in, we I feel we will regret it, and I feel we will get the fans on a bad side. Well, we, we see Hurts. how even it's when it too was too soon. Yeah, not to cut you off, uh, Connor. I apologize, but when Andy Reid was here, and when when we saw what Doug did with, with Nick Foles, they change up their play calling with backup quarterbacks, and it makes zero sense. And when they get the starter back, they go back to the dumbass play calls that they've been doing. This is where you can watch. I want to see more from Jalen Hurst. I hate when he goes in and we know what he's going to run. He's going to run an RPO. It never it, – it, it worked at the beginning of the year. Now now teams know what's coming. It doesn't work anymore. I want to see more. Whether it's a – give him a series. I hate seeing him come out. If, you, if you're not going to do that, don't put him on the field. Because it seems like the last couple of weeks when, when they would put Jalen on the field, it's after Carson finally starts to find a rhythm. And then they're mm-hmm. like, all right, let's insert – Let's insert Jalen. Let him do. Let him lose a couple yards. Like you, you mess up the rhythm of the offense by doing that. If you're gonna mm-hmm. let Jalen play, let him play for a series. Then the one play, let him run an offense. You know, and and maybe that'll that could be Carson sitting back trying to clear his mind. But let us see something different because we know it's coming. Defenses know it's coming, and it's not working anymore. It's funny that you say it's a run-pass option because I, I've never actually seen the, 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 the pass, pass yeah. or the option. It's more of the R in yeah. RPO. Um, but, I, no, I agree with you. I don't think that it's time to full-on change and have four quarters of Jalen Hurts. But I do think, like, in a game with the Seahawks where it could get out of hand, I realistically do believe it could get out of hand mm-hmm. really quickly and we can go down multiple scores you put him in for a quarter or two. You see what happens because Second you know half. there's a good there's a good chance you're not coming back. You're down by three scores or whatever. There's realistically not a great chance of coming back, but you could put him in there and you could see what you got in him and he could be doing some things for you. But I realistically believe if you put him in for a full four quarters and play a full game, I don't think we're going to see what we want out of Jalen Hurts and there's gonna it's going to frustrate fans. And and they're just going to start turning against him just as much as they've turned against Carson Wentz right now. Yeah, well, I actually don't think that the fans would turn against um, Jalen. Like, the fans know Jalen should have never been drafted in the second round here. Um, mm-hmm. The fans know that he's being in a, put in a position that's a no-win position for him. So, I, I, I if he goes out there... And he and he and he's not successful. Like the fans are gonna be like, see, this is why you shouldn't have dropped. Like, so it, my, my question is, you say it's a no-win situation for Jalen Hurts. Why was it a win situation for Carson Wentz? Why can't we say that what Carson Wentz was put in a no-win situation? He when? came he this year. He came in. The injuries well, were piled up immediately. The wide receiving position, as much as we want to say it was addressed, it was not addressed. We drafted a yeah, wide okay, receiver. We drafted it. multiple wide but receivers. Having, having all these injuries shouldn't equate into you being having 18 turnovers in 10 games. Like, you could struggle, but turning the ball over the way he has turned the ball over is inexcusable, like, to to an extent. So just some of the pat like, that, that, that interception last week, look, while there were – I'm trying to figure out how to say it. like it was a terrible throw. It was a terrible play. It was it was a breakdown all around. It wasn't just a Carson Wentz breakdown because he got hit 
as soon as he was letting the ball go because the right side of the line, the, the tight ends blocked nobody. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and like, it, it, the ball fluttered out of his hand, pick, pick six. Like, was that Carson's fault? Yes, it was Carson's fault, but it was also an entire team breakdown. He probably should have never made that throw. You know, he the, the, against Dallas, the, the interception he threw to Trayvon Diggs in the end zone should have never made that throw. I don't think that's on the injuries of the team. That's on him. No. There, is, there is some aspect. There is some aspects um, the, of Carson Wentz's game that are absolutely to blame so for it. He doesn't like, and he he is being paid to be the franchise quarterback. And I'm not saying that being the franchise quarterback, you're supposed to be able to solve all the problems. But you know, we're it's year number five. He's making rookie mistakes right now. And and absolutely, and you can use you can use injuries to a certain extent, but like for, for the difference between him and Jalen, like <clears throat> Jalen should have never, ever been drafted here. Never. Maybe. Okay. In the second round, maybe if he was there in the third round, possibly. Yeah, sure. You could draft him. But when you look at the names that were drafted after Jalen hurts in the second round, could have an offensive lineman, could have maybe a receiver. Like there are so many things that the Eagles could have had that they need that are, are, are positions of need that they didn't, they didn't get. So, you know, you could throw Jalen out there, and if he struggles, he struggles. The Eagles fans aren't going to blast him. Like, I also feel like I'm going to go back to when, when McNabb was here. McNabb is getting, has got, gotten so much more vitriol, uh, so much more hate, so much more anger from fans than Carson Wentz is getting now. And Carson Wentz, and Donovan has never, ever played this bad. Never. We were mm-hmm. guaranteed a playoff spot and possibly a spot in the NFC Championship game for the majority of Donovan's career. We barely make the playoffs with Carson Wentz, but yet Donovan got hated way more than Carson Wentz is getting hated right now. And I don't, I don't ever remember until maybe the back end of his career Donovan ever playing this bad. So there is no, like, there's a there's a double standard right now from Eagles fans, and I don't know why. And I and I listen, I know. That if we move on from him, and you can see it now, I can picture it now. There's there's the rumors of imagine this and Frank Reich and Carson Wentz in Indianapolis together. If he leaves Philadelphia, if we trade him and we move on, he's absolutely becoming the well, quarterback that we signed him to be. Because he'll absolutely, have a better coach. no doubt, one hundred percent, he will become. The biggest regret, one of the biggest regrets that we will look at back on for decades and decades and decades if we move on from him, 100%. That's because the, if he were to go to play for Frank Reich, Frank Reich will put him in a position to win. Frank Reich took the Indianapolis Colts, who he was expecting to have Andrew Luck, who retired in the middle of the preseason, and took Jacoby Brissett and made him look like an NFL quarterback. It wouldn't shock me if he went to Indianapolis and if, if Carson I, I, went to Indianapolis and was successful. I honestly do believe that we might be talking about the Indianapolis Colts as an undefeated team right now if they had a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers cannot throw that ball. They've lost multiple games by single scores, and those single scores could have been made up for by really bad Phillip Rivers plays. If you have the right quarterback in place and in that situation, that defense is rock solid, one of the best in the game right now. I love Darius Leonard. And then if you get the right quarterback into that situation, we could be talking about them with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an undefeated team right now, I think, very yeah, so, I realistically. Mean, it, it, would, it would not shock me if Carson went to Indianapolis with Frank Wright. Like, we got screwed over by Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels was supposed to take that job. If Josh McDaniels took, takes that job, Frank Wright's at least here for 2018, and who knows what happens. Um, I don't. I doubt he would be here beyond that. He, he would have gotten a head coaching gig somewhere. But we got screwed over by uh, Josh McDaniels. And the it, Patriots screwing us without even <coughs> playing us. Right. Mm. Yeah, it stinks. But all right, so uh, let's let's – kind of talk let's dive into the Seahawks game real quick we know that the Seattle offense I mean Russell Wilson who was the the MVP front runner the first half of this year he's kind of taking a step back but still he has weapons galore DK Metcalf uh Tyler Lockett they still have D they still have um who's their other receiver more is he still playing David Moore yeah David yeah, Moore David Moore um Chris really Carson happen. may come back this week Carson might come back is Homer coming back who knows 
Carlos um, Hyde's there anyways, and he does fine in replacement of them. Um, you know, this will be a tough matchup for this defense. Um, a nationally, a nationally televised game. And then we mentioned how the, the statistically the Seahawks defense isn't good, but you mentioned how the last couple of weeks they played better. Jamal Adams is finally healthy. He was talking about how, like, the beginning of this season or early parts of the season, he was pretty much playing with one arm. Now he feels healthy. He's good to go. Um, they, they have uh, one of the best linebackers in football in uh, Bobby Wagner. Um, they just have a solid group. They know how to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you, if the Eagles can't move the ball in this offense, if, if, if Carson Wentz can't make plays, it might be time to see what we have in Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I can definitely agree to, with that. And that's what I mean. That's what I said a bit earlier is that this game can get out of control really quickly. I mean, you're looking at a Seahawks team that currently ranks sixth in passing yards and tied for 11th in rushing yards and second in points four per game. Like this is a team that their defense may not be stellar, but they are doing what we thought the Cowboys would do, you know, putting up points and yardage like crazy at the start of the year to counteract a terrible defense. But this is a team that is producing in the passing game, in the running game, and they're putting up points. We are a team that is not producing in the passing game, produces in the running game until Doug Peterson says, I don't want it anymore, and is putting up some of the fewest points for in the league. We're two teams running in completely opposite directions, and it's really not good uh, to enter into this matchup against the Seattle Seahawks in this way because I don't think we have the right people to match. We have the right cornerback to match up with one of two top wide receivers in the league so you pick your poison do you want to leave tyler lockett open a bunch or do you want to leave dk metcalf open a bunch um but and then like you talked about bobby wagner so that could make it a tough day for a guy like if zach Ertz comes back or for dallas goddard though it's going to be a long day for those two and and even if zach Ertz comes back i mean i've based on what i saw to start the season my confidence level is uh my apologies for not being confident in him but it's very low very low um which makes it a tough day for the tight ends and then i mean the cornerbacks aren't great but our passing game is terrible so why would the cornerbacks have to be great they just have to keep the play in front of them uh light unlike what we can do and they can shut us down all night, no matter who's at quarterback. Yeah, and we have to find a way to to, to make play. Like, <clears throat> use, and I think that they might call Jordan Howard, and we forgot to mention Jordan, Jordan Howard's back. I'd call him up. I'd let him, you know, go back to that to that thunder and lightning type of uh, offense that we used last year with both with Sanders and Howard. Um, let Sanders, you know, Sanders will start, let him pound, or let him get to the outside, let him – you know, if you're going to run those zone type of plays and then bring in, bring in Howard and, and kind of cha- have a change up for, for the offense. Um, but you, you have to focus on the run game when your quarterback is struggling. Um, I, I don't know what Doug needs to see for that to happen. And, and I feel like we say this time and time again, um, defensively, you're right. Like I, I'm, I'm up to the point. So I think Darius Slay should follow DK Metcalf. <sighs> I guess it's going to be Avante Maddox on, on Tyler Lockett. I don't feel comfortable with that. Um, I also feel like the Eagles are really missing that leadership of Malcolm Jenkins in the, in the secondary. Like he would make sure everybody got in the position where they needed to be, especially after that Minnesota game last year, when they just seemed all out of wax, gave up all those points in those big plays after that Malcolm like kind of took control and showed what a leader. I don't see Mal. I don't see, um, I don't see Rodney McLeod doing that. I don't see Jaylen or Jalen Mills. Mills. I know that they brought Jalen back because they wanted to test him at safety and see what his leadership would be, but nobody's really taken that Malcolm Jenkins nope. role. No one's jumped into it. And trust me, it's there for the taking. And if you want to try it this week, it's still there for the taking. Someone's just got to step up. But when you look at this defense when they're lining up, they the play is called, they go out on the field, and there is almost no communication. It looks like it's just a 12 men out there. Just ready. They're just like, like, I'm in my position, and I'm going to watch this guy who's in front of me, and that's it. You remember the the signing of Will Parks in the offseason? They were like, he's going to be the switched army knife. He's he's going to be able to to play safety and play kind of like the Malcolm Jenkins linebacker role and cover it. Like, he can't even get on the field. Kamon Wallace, we were were big fans of, can't get on the field. How bad do they have to be that, like, they can't supplant Jalen Mills? Again, this could be a – 
Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills and he's going to let him play and try to figure it out on the fly. But we're at this point where you can't do that. Um, while again, the defense isn't playing bad, but when they have miscommunications and when big plays happen, it just seems to be at the most inopportune times. It seems like whenever the Eagles score a touchdown, you can bet the house that the opposing team is going to put points on the board. It seems to happen every time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's tough to watch. It's really frustrating. But, I mean, to the same point, this defense is forced to stand on their heads Mm -hmm. way too much. And I I know a lot of people are like, oh, look at yet another third down given up. Or, oh, well, of course we get a score and they get a score back. You have to remember, usually when that happens, they've literally shut the team down. They've literally played the best that they could play. And you know that eventually the floodgates have to will open. They don't have to, but they will open with this defense. That's just how it is. And when your offense is on the field for two minutes or not even two minutes, when they're on the field for a minute and a half, they go three and out. And then the defense is out there pounding away for six or seven minutes because that offense actually knows how to use a clock, play with the clock. I run a ball, pass a ball, have some creativity on the <clears throat> offense. And if you look at Russell Wilson, it's only going to be more painful this week. That is a methodical mm-hmm. man who is a highly intelligent quarterback, one of the best in the game. Even if he has played himself out of the MVP conversation, he's a top five, maybe arguably top three quarterback in this league. And it will be a long night for these for this defense. And I think that the offense has to step has to have one of their best offensive games. They have to produce like they were producing against the Steelers and the Ravens to have any chance against the Seahawks. Yeah, we're, and the Eagles usually play. We, we talk about this a lot. They play either up to the level of competition or down to the level of competition. <clears throat> so, like, while we're sitting here talk, kind of painting a, a negative brush about this game, would it at all shock us if they keep it a game? No, because that's what they do. Their backs are against the wall. Everybody is, everybody's betting against them. Everybody's talking about the, the change at quarterback, the firing of the head coach, the, the general manager doesn't know. Like, everybody is saying, blow it up. This is the type of game the Eagles will come and win. I'm not, now I'm not predicting that right now, but, like, <clears throat> this is the type of game where it, it would not shock me in the least bit that the Eagles come out and look like, a version of the 2017 Eagles. And we're like, where the hell has this been all year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so, it, it's just like you, the fact that they do that is so frustrating. Every week we watch it because we watched that Giants game. And what did we say? We sat there and we said with, um, with Josh from the missing link, there's a chance they play down because it's the New York Giants and they played down to that level. And, it's like, why, how come you can play up? How come you can't just play 60 minutes of rate split down the middle, good football? Why does it always have to be one or the other? Why are you, mm-hmm. why is it so polarizing is the thing. Um, and, and like, I just can't get over it. Like you can see Carson Wentz putting together good drives, playing really well. The play calling's on point. And then the next game you see no drive where you can sit there and be like, well, that was some good play calling. That was some smart playing by Carson Wentz. You can, that's like, it's night and day each week with this team. And they have to play, they, well, for the rest of the season, hopefully they do play up to the level because we need them to play up to the level. They have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. We yeah, got these Seattle, next four games. Yep. We got Seattle, Green Bay, Arizona, and New Orleans not specifically in that order but we have those four teams in the next four weeks like you better damn well play up to that level because those are some three of those offenses are high octane enough that they can hang 30 on you with barely even trying yep um even new orleans without drew Brees. <laughs> um so yeah it's just gonna be an interesting game i'm very i don't know i'm just at that point where i'm starting to just, i get tired of what and i hate this feeling but I'm starting to just get tired of watching Eagles football. And I'm, I, every football season, I get excited. I'm like, yes, football's here because you only get 16 games. <clears throat> and I don't think in a million years I thought this season was going to turn out this way. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, man, like, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're thinking the same thing. Yeah. You never thought that this season would be this way. And if you're a Giants fan and a Washington fan, you're ecstatic. Because oh, you, you, you now see that these teams may be in trouble, and not just for this year. 
like the Dallas Cowboys may very well be in trouble for multiple years. They don't even have a quarterback. As of this very moment, they don't have a franchise quarterback. True. And at this very moment, we have a franchise quarterback who's not playing like one and a lot of holes across a multitude of positions. So you're sitting there and you're like, this is the time. This is the the getting's good. Remember when we thought coming into this year that the the Eagles were the only team that kept continuity, like with the coaching staffs and that was going to be a big advantage so much for that. Definitely. I mean, I have a ton of respect for Ron Rivera. You you knew that there was going to be an opportunity there. And I said it at the start of this I think I even said it through much of last year that I really did feel that the Washington football team is is underrated and and like I hate All to say to it against somebody. Yeah, they have to if they're a quarterback and a couple O line pieces away from being a team that will run away with the NFC East year if, in and year if out. If they don't win the division this year and they get a top seven pick and they get a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, watch out. <laughs> And even if they can't get those because of because other teams get them, but they get a guy like Penny Sewell or something, you should still watch out because you. I mean, Alex Smith, it, it, they they want to bring him back and and love his story and and just his his the way he's been able to come back from from that nasty injury. He's not a bad quarterback, but he can't throw the ball uh, beyond missed, ten yards. He's captain checkdown for sure. Exactly. So your offense will end up becoming predictable at some point because you need your guys to produce. And no, don't get me wrong, Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin are two of the best guys to produce independently and can do it by themselves. I mean, Terry McLaurin leads the league in yards after catch. Well, he's second technically to Alvin Kamara, but tops among wide receivers. And Antonio Gibson is definitely coming into his own as well and producing tons by himself as well. So, I mean, imagine if you get yeah, the right big pieces around them. He had a really big game against Dallas. All right. So before we get to our keys to the game and the prediction for the Eagles Seattle Seahawks, let's give our unheralded players of the week for week. What week was last week? 11. Week 11 in the National Football League. Who you got, Connor? Man, I got P.J. Walker. You want to talk about feel-good stories? This was a guy who was cut by teams, could barely make it in the NFL. He went off to what was it? It was the XFL he came from. He was at, pretty, on an undefeated team. Play, yeah, exactly. He played really well in the XFL where the competition was not very good. And then he comes into the NFL. He gets an opportunity to back up Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater goes down. They give him their keys to the offense. And he produced. He had a really good game. That was, I mean, it's nothing amazing. It's nothing spectacular. I mean, it's better than what Carson Wentz does. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, and he used all his weapons. He looked like a really, really good quarterback. PJ Walker and unfortunately he's probably gonna ride the pine to Teddy B coming back this week but at least they can be confident in knowing that if Teddy Bridgewater if you're in week eight to week 17 and and you don't want to play Teddy Bridgewater or whatever you want rest all your starters or whatever you can do that because you have a really good reliable backup in PJ Walker so good for PJ Walker yes I, I like that one and he has that relationship with Matt Rule from their temple days I'm gonna go with a guy who I don't know how unheralded he is, but at this position, nobody knew what he was going to be like, and he actually turned in a good game. Taysom Hill. Now, there's a, there was a lot of talk in, in, in within the New Orleans organization of you know, kind of Sean Payton wants to know what he has in Taysom Hill to figure out is he a quarterback. And there were a lot of guys that thought that they should go with Jameis Winston. Well, Taysom Hill wasn't bad. 18 to 23, 233 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown pass, but he ran for two. He got the ball to Michael Thomas. Uh, I give Taysom Hill a lot of credit. You know, I don't know if he's if he's a quarterback in the future, a quarterback, you know, of of a, a future for the Saints. But he proved, at least on this one day, that he can play the quarterback position, and he might be somebody the Eagles see in a couple weeks because we don't know if Drew Brees is going to be uh, back and healthy to play against the Eagles. Absolutely. That is a good one. I mean, like you said, you don't know how unheralded he is because he's been around forever and a day and mostly as a tight end. Um, But I mean, he's that Swiss Army knife type piece that we would love to have Jalen Hurts be like or the rumors where they wanted him like that. But but they don't use him anywhere. He doesn't doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the size to take some to be to do what he does. No. And clearly he they don't trust his 
the hands that Jalen Hurts might have in being able to catch a ball and produce something by himself. So, I mean, I would never good... want him to play that Taysom Hill role, though. No, I mean, Tate, like you, you're asking for injuring a quarterback by putting him in those situations. Taysom Hill is just a monster, man. He's like six foot, like five and 250 pounds. He's a big boy and he can take some shots and he can play with the best of them. So that's uh, good for him. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's move on. Week 12, the three, six and one Philadelphia Eagles against the seven and three, I think. Yeah, they're seven and three. Seven and Seattle Seahawks. Give me some keys to the game and your prediction, Connor. I I stand by. I think this game's going to get ugly quick, and I think we may see Jalen Hurts in the second half because I think it's going to get ugly. But my keys to the game is getting the wide receivers going. Like I said, the cornerbacks aren't great. They're starting to find their stride. They're starting to become a better defense. But get Travis Fulgham involved. Get Jalen Rager involved a little bit more. Get Greg Ward involved again. What happened to Greg Ward? Where is he? He gets a couple of, like, three, four targets a game with a couple catches. He's one of the more reliable from a catch percentage perspective so find those weapons john hightower if he's back you got to find those weapons you got to use those weapons against a team where like if like the falcons and the seahawks they're ones who are giving up a lot of yardage to wide receivers a lot of yardage to quarterbacks and we've said it's a multiple times this year this is a get right game for carson wentz so i'm not going to call it that but it can be a game where carson wentz can start to find himself a little bit more and start to gain a little bit of confidence i'm not going to say it's a get right game because he's i don't think he's going to get right this year but it can be a game where he can build his confidence back up and on the defensive side of the ball well we know it best the the this team has a bad offensive line russell wilson runs out of the pocket a lot he gets hit a lot um this is one guy who does not get protected one bit, but somehow stays standing, stays vertical, gets out of the pocket. He's what we wish Carson Wentz would do or could do or that we wish Peterson would let him do more of um, because Russell Wilson does his best when getting out of the pocket and letting the pocket collapse um, beside him and around him. And so I think this could be a game where like a Brandon Graham and a Josh Sweat and a Fletcher Cox can really have a big day or continue to have big days because this offensive line isn't that great and they can create some pressure. But he but Russell Wilson plays so well under pressure that you can't just create the pressure. You have to finish that pressure off with a sack, a QB hit. You got to make sure he's not comfortable, that he doesn't want to get hit. And I mean, obviously, he probably doesn't want to get hit. But you know that he'll take the hits, but you want to be able to sit there and say, you don't want to take these hits all night because we're going to do this all night. So I think that the defensive line really has to do that. And the our defensive line's definitely been coming around. I mean, we haven't seen a ton from Hargrave and Jackson's a bit polarizing in his play, but we've seen a bit more from Fletcher Cox, a bit more from Barnett, some from Sweat, and a ton from Brandon Graham. So hopefully that continues to come this week against a pretty porous um, offensive line. Unfortunately, I am predicting a loss here. I do think that the Seahawks are going to win, and I do think it's going to get ugly. I do see like, I see like a 31 to 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 21 game, and we only get to 21 because of some garbage time work. But I think it's going to be 31 to 21, and I think and I hope we see Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter, maybe even the third and fourth quarter. Wow. So. Um... Russell Wilson's the type of quarterback that the Eagles defense can't play against because he can move around. We saw what Daniel Jones done, did against us. It'll be something like that. Do you remember in 2005, a Monday nighter in Philly, the Eagles lost like 45 nothing to Seattle? Yeah, expect mm-hmm. that. It's going to be bad. It's going to get ugly. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if, if we see an entire second half of Jalen Hurts, which I hope. Um, it's going to be a battle of the trenches. <clears throat> the Eagles defensive line has to win their – their individual battles. The Eagles offensive line has to find a way to get healthy. Um, I don't know how they're going to, obviously, I don't know how they're going to find a way to get healthy against this front for for Seattle. Um, And you're right. It should be a type of get-right game for Carson Wentz, but I I just don't see it. I I see that the Seattle defense finding themselves, uh, finding their their way to getting right on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's going to be like 38-17. I don't think it's going to be close. And I, I just don't see it. It's going to be tough. Um, and the Eagles have given us zero confidence that they can come away with a win a game like this um, at all this year. So this is just going to be the, the third consecutive of what could be, who knows, five or six losses in a row. It, it's going to get bad for the Eagles. 
it breaks my heart, man. It breaks my heart. I don't even want to say fly eagles fly to end this show because <laughs> it's just it's not given the same luck as as it's it not. did in the past. It's, it's not. It's a rough season. It's it's really rough. Really? And um it it sucks to have to stay up till like twelve thirty my time to, oh, yeah. to potentially watch this disaster. Yeah, that, that that that's not a good one for you. And this is like the Eagles don't have another one o'clock game until week 17 i think it's it's bad don't don't worry playing. we will we will get flexed i, don't I almost know. can guarantee we well, get no, flexed. well they got green bay at 425 uh they, they have a bunch of four o'clock games so i don't know we'll see about that um again as always follow us on twitter at kelly green hour follow connor on twitter at connor 10 me on twitter at lj 54 connor does a great job of running the uh, kelly green hour twitter page on game days um i don't know how positive we're going to be able to be this week but Hopefully the Eagles prove us wrong. Uh, we could use a big win. Um, and, and as always, please rate and review our show wherever you're listening to us right now. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. <laughs>